tonight we are talking about um, our unsaved loved ones. Um, I'm going to kind of touch in Peter a little bit about, um, like if you have a spouse, that seems to be like the biggest topic on TikTok when people reach out to me is like, my husband's not saved or my wife is not saved. And and um, so I'm going to kind of hit that way. And then um, Lisa, what do you, what, what's your big topic over there? Like kind of just talking about how to pray for the unbelievers, even mm-hmm. if it's not a loved one Yeah, and our role and responsibility to that. Yep. And so you think that, you know, a lot of people say, um, well, I'm just going to take care of myself and, and let them believe mm-hmm. what they, but that is not the role of a Christian, of someone who is, who is calling themselves a tr- true believer, because our whole mission here is to win souls and um, to make people know Jesus. I mean, that's our whole purpose of being here is that we will know him. And, um, and so, yeah, we go to work, we live where we live and we have our family, whatever our, that dynamic looks like. But we are called in every one of those environments to um, lead by example. And so this was hard. For some reason, the Lord, you know, he works on me all the time when I teach. That's one thing I love about teaching is the fact that I learn probably more than anybody else does. Um, and I just sat down and I was like, I'm, I'm not being a very good wife. I'm not being what First um, Peter um, chapter 3 um says to be and this is the verse that we hate this is the verse yeah. i mean i did i just went to a sermon and this is the verse that lisa and i go ahead hate. And read it. yeah <laughs> so this is about us wives and what we're supposed to do um and so i'm going to read it it's in first uh, peter chapter three it says likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, that was the first one, uh, do not let your adorning be external, um, the braiding of the hair and the, and the putting on the gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be um, hid, hidden in the person of the heart, which is imperishable. Uh, God's sight, and it's very precious in God's sight for this to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life that you, that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, so that sounds like a lot. That sounds like, you know, you're not supposed to braid your hair, you're not to wear jewelry and all that stuff, but I, it's been dissected. I dissected it. I heard a sermon today, and it really just opened up what this means, but it also convicted me totally. Do you think it would make me a good wife if I, like, looked at my husband and called him Lord? Well, I was like, I was like, Lord and Master, and she did. She called, but and but that that was a different time. That was a different time. That was Bible time, and the women. Attention. Yeah, it it would probably help out if I called David Lord or Master. He would be. He would love that. He would love that. But back in Bible days, you know, women were not. um, They were treated as goats and sheep. Or as a slave, and so like they didn't have a mind of their own, and if they had an opinion, it wasn't wanted, and so um, it was a big, big deal. Um, and so Peter, this isn't like this isn't like the role of a wife or role of a husband. This is means like wives. If your husband is unsaved, this is how you win him 
over and husbands if your wife is unsaved this is how you win her over and it was very uncommon for a husband to be a christian and the wife not because usually the wife just submitted and followed her husband because she didn't have her own mind but it was a bigger problem if the wife became a christian and her husband wasn't there was potential for a harder time more war chaos whatever because she wasn't supposed to have her own mm-hmm. agenda. She was supposed to follow her husband. And so Peter actually gives six um, things for the women to do and only one for the man. And it wasn't because he was being, um, you know, favoring the men. It's just because the situation was a whole lot different if the woman was the believer and the husband wasn't. And so um, so Peter is writing to Christians that were um, scattered. They were persecuted because, you know, like uh, God said, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so the way that that happened was the persecuted church in Acts uh, when they were being killed by Saul, who became Paul, um, they were they were running for their lives. And so um, that's how the gospel got to the ends of the earth. And I think that's beautiful that even in their persecution, and, you know, persecution was a whole lot worse than it is today, um, that that is how the Lord added numbers to his kingdom and and got his will to be done. So um, the very first thing that we want to understand is that um, in 1 Peter, he is talking to the persecuted church. And he wants us to understand that we live in a hostile world that, or they did, they were in a hostile world that did not believe the same as they did. And, And basically, Peter was telling them to elevate themselves and to turn to the living hope in Christ. In other words, they were to get out of the world mentally, spiritually, everything, and focus on eternal their eternal um, salvation or their internal life in the heavenly realm and to keep their mind on the glorious future and what the Lord was going to do through them. And don't get caught up in the world in the fuss down here because they just needed to keep their focus upward. And so we need to do that. Mm-hmm before we even try to um, save someone's soul or whatever, because we can't do that. But we have to be in the right. You were talking about that earlier. Like you have to be right with the Lord before you can even pray for somebody because people want to always, you know, think that um, their prayers are heard. And mm-hmm. what, what? go ahead and share what you were what you were talking about, how, um, you know, prayers aren't heard if, if you... Yeah, so when I was studying, um, and I've heard you talk about this before, but um, how unbelievers think that they're they that God hears their prayers, mm-hmm. He might hear them, but He doesn't answer them. That's right. And so um, going to the Lord as an unbelier and praying um, goes to the ceiling, and that's yeah. as far as it goes. And so um, really, it's we can't assure an unbeliever that their their prayers are being heard mm-hmm. because if you're not going through Jesus. And um, John um, 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's right. And so if you're not if you're not a believer and you've not accepted Jesus, you're coming to God when you're praying as an unbeliever, presuming that you have the righteousness to be able to come right. to God and you don't. Yep. And so then that may, that sounds to God like you think Jesus is irrelevant. Right, right. And so... The um, only way that we can go boldly to the throne room of God is through Jesus' death mm-hmm. on the cross, through his righteousness, under his blood. Like you're not welcome 
if you don't come through Jesus. Like, you know, you're not welcome. That's just how it is. Yeah, and so just for example, so your child keeps asking you for a glass of water and you've taught them or they know that they have to say please and they Mm -hmm. don't. You just ignore them because they're not asking you in the right way. Right. And so to rightly come before God and ask for something the right way is um, through Jesus. That's right. And so we're not going to answer the child until they say please. And that's the same thing. That's right. And so we have to get our life right. And, um, you know, you know when you're not... um, Walking in the Spirit. A lot of people have a hard time understanding what walking in the Spirit means. But that means that you're right with the Lord. Um, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Which means um, you you die to your flesh. Because we've, mm-hmm. we've learned, um, you know, the desires of the flesh. And we know that the Spirit is against the flesh. And so you die to your fleshly desires. So you can be an empty vessel to be used by God. That is what our desire um, is. And so... We have three areas in our life, and this is this is this is before you can even reach someone. So, I mean, this has blown me away. But um, the very first chapter of Peter, First Peter, um, the verse verse one through uh, chapter two eleven, it focuses on your salvation, and that's kind of the past, what Jesus did for you, and you're able to stand strong because of what Jesus did, um, and then. Right now, we're kind of in the in the second part of First Peter. We're in um, the midst of rejection of a society who doesn't believe the same way we do, and so um, it's important that we live our life by an example mm-hmm. um, to be set apart, so people can see. Because it says they will see your good works and glorify the Father, which means that they will, um, you know, their salvation depends on your conduct. And that is the hardest thing. Like at first, you know, we just think that we can be however we want to be, but people are watching you. And you have to understand that your example, how you handle your everyday, there's government that we have to deal with. There is your employment. And then there's your family. Those are the three things that Peter touches on. So like government, we have laws that we have to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not above because we're God's children. We are not above the government. We have to follow the laws. We have to follow the rules. Um, same way in the workplace. You have to, regardless if you have a good boss or a horrible boss, you have to be, you can't be a rebel, you know. And because people are watching how you behave. And if you're the, a rule breaker, then they're going to be like, you're no different than anybody else mm-hmm. in the world. And then your family, you are to lead your family um, in the ways. And so you've got your little kids that are watching. Um, that who They're watching what you watch. They're, they're listening to what you listen to. They're listening to what you say, what comes out of your mouth. And, you know, those are the questions that you need to ask yourself before you even start to witness to someone. You need to get your temple cleansed mm-hmm. flip some tables over um what what tables would you i say this all the time but what what tables would jesus flip over in your life and so now we're going to talk about the family because you know we have to do all these things in these environments um but the biggest thing we're going to talk about today is the family and so if you are a wife and your husband is not a believer um how you behave and how you um you know, respect him and, and, and submit to him. That is the biggest thing is we have to submit to government. We have to submit to our employers and we have to submit to our husbands, regardless if they believe. And I think the biggest thing that he, I have all kinds of notes, but I'm not sharing all of those because 
like I said, this was this was mainly for me <laughs> because uh, I'm not doing very good. So, um, but he gives us a couple points, and I wanted to share those with you on how we're supposed to live as a wife who has an unbelieving husband, or maybe a husband that's not maybe walking in the spirit, maybe just kind of worldly. Um, submissive means that you, like the Lord has a um, an order for our marriage, and it is God, and then our husbands, and then us, and then our children. And so it's not because our husbands are greater than us, but there is an order, and it and he's you know stronger. Um, he is just that's just how the Lord has has put it. And a lot of our world today, women love to rule, and I find myself sometimes because I I don't want to say that I know more than David, but but I do biblically know more of the Bible than him. But that should not matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is this is where it got me. Okay, so what is our mission as as a wife who is a Christian, um, and it's to win our loved ones and our husband to the Lord. And so it doesn't tell us that if our husband is not a believer that we should divorce him or leave him. It actually says if he wants to stay, then you let him stay because your your role should be different. You're, you're, you should have fruit. The way you live your life should be totally different. And sometimes men don't like that. If you started out worldly, and you become a Christian, then everything changes. What you watch, what you listen to, and some men don't like that. And so if he wants to stay, and this is what Peter and Paul both teach on, um, if he wants to stay, then you let him stay. Um, If he wants to leave, Mm -hmm. you let him leave. And that you are not held under the bond of marriage. I did not know that, but um, that is only for if you have become a Christian and he refuses to um he doesn't want to stay if you're because you're a christian i thought that was i'd never heard that before but that is what paul paul teaches and also peter because it causes a uh, war and chaos and it's it wouldn't be productive for you to constantly argue with your husband about the way that you live and so um it's, it's really it's really crazy. But if he does want to stay, it's forbidden if you don't let him stay. So you have to, um, and that's in, that is in 1 Corinthians 7, 13 um, and 14. It says that her husband will be sanctified through her. And it's because you're living a life for mm-hmm. Christ and you're getting blessings. And it will actually pour over on your husband because you are so faithful to the Lord. And so if he's willing to stay, then he will reap the benefit of you being a child of God. Not salvation. Not This is only outwardly. Inwardly, he will be, this is what was the biggest thing for me. He will be saved by the word, not a word from me. So I'm not to um, harass him or argue with him or like glue Bible verses everywhere, you know, for him put to see, yeah, put him in his face or belittle him <clears throat> or, or go tell the pastor on him or anything like that, that I'm supposed to live in a pure con- conduct um, without a word. But he will um, be saved by the word. And I just think that that was beautiful. That's in First Peter one twenty three because it's a living word. Um, but you're, so number one, you're to be submissive to your own husband. 
And the reason it says own husband is because sometimes, like we're talking Bible times, um, sometimes a woman, if she did, if her husband was not a Christian, then she would look at someone else's husband who was a Christian, and she would want that. She would mm-hmm. be envious of that. And so he is making sure that it's to your own husband. Um, same way that you would be a, a submissive to the government, same way to your workplace. I mean, this is in all three environments. Um, it's to line up under him even if he's not a believer, uh, to take your place in, in the order of God where he has got us, the order of marriage, and that was made by God. Um, not to take authority over men. That's the curse from the garden. If you go back to Genesis, um, that was the curse for women, for, for Eve eating the apple, is that she will always want to rule the man. And it is very much so in our, in our world today. Um, there is a we have our place, and I know that that sounds really, really crazy, but that is just biblical. And I have no problem submitting under under David, but for me, I would I had my um, if he led correctly, or if he um, like we've had this conversation before. If he uh, disciplined like me, if he did this, there was always a if. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you are to submit under his headship. My toes are black. Because I've always put even if, if he is even, not nope. following the part That's that exactly says that he's right. supposed to love yep. his wife like yep. Christ loved the yep. church. Your your t- your conduct right. should be is so that what pure. That That's what it says, sister. Are I'm sure? sorry. I'm positive because I'm like, well, what if he's not doing? And a lot of people say women lead today because men don't. It is. This is this is. It's in First Peter. It is hard. It's a hard word. Salvation comes from the word. Um, and not from a word from the wife. And so we're not to, um, we're to submit anyway for the sake of their salvation. So we're supposed to care about their salvation so much that we submit under them. It's hard. I'm like, that's a hard role for mm-hmm. us. Um, so um, a woman is supposed to be pure and have grace and um, she's gentle, lovely, and that is the strongest tool that she has for her unsaved husband. I think that's beautiful. It's not what she says, but who she is. I think that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, a, a nagging person has never got anyone into heaven. It is grace and kindness and love and fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of times I find myself aggravated um, that he doesn't study more or or whatever. And um I'm just supposed to, and, and through my conduct, mm-hmm. that's just what the Bible says. And he's faithful, so I truly believe that. Um, uh, faithful, number two is faithfulness. Um, we're, we're to have a pure life. We're to be faithful to God and to our husband. We're not to be fooling around with somebody else's husband or another man. He's to be able to trust us. Um, or to give him the respect, even when he's an unbeliever. I want to keep saying that because this is, Uh, Chapter 3 is speaking about a wife and an unbelieving husband. So this is how you win his salvation. So like the arguments, telling him that he's not studying, telling him he's not in the Word, that is not what we're to do biblically, and I'm so guilty of all of that. Um, So, um, And then number three is modesty, and this is where we get with the braids and the gold. Um, He wasn't necessarily saying that you can't wear your hair um, in braids or wear gold or, or anything like that. But sometimes us women, we are so obsessed with the outward appearance of us of us that we lack the inward yeah. beauty. 
And that's where your true beauty um, lies um, because we get obsessed. We do Botox. We get new boobs. I mean, you know, we get all this cosmetics and all this stuff. I mean, we're just totally, I know, I mean, just totally obsessed with it. Not that you can't do that stuff. Yeah. Not that you can't. But if you become obsessed and, and it, becomes, it becomes an idol, it becomes mm-hmm. an idol and that's all you're worried about. You're worried about your clothes and the brand and, and all of that stuff that we tend to get obsessed with. Um when we should be worried about um, the inside of us because that beauty doesn't fade. Our beauty will fade and our husband's strengths will fade. That's what they struggle with is being strong. Um, that will fade and that they you will find your husband as he gets older, you know, his mind still tells him that he can lift up this, but um, and that will bother him as, as will our beauty and our wrinkles and, um, you know, everything sags and... <laughs> But um, one thing that that John MacArthur said is um, external beauty doesn't capture the heart of your husband. And I thought that was beautiful, too, because my husband tells me all the time, like, you, you, I don't worry about your weight, you know, and he really doesn't. I mean, he, he, um, he, he really doesn't. And so, but my character and my thoughtfulness and my modesty and my good works, um, that's what he really yeah. loves. And, you know, makeup can't change an ugly heart. So um, we really have to kind of keep focus on that part of it. Um, this is the one that got me too. It says also in here that we're to be um, quiet, um, peaceful, calm, in control, meek, inner, inner virtue. Um, it's precious in the sight of God. And so I struggled with that a little bit because I'm, 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 a, I'm not a lot of those. And what he went on to explain was that it wasn't that my boldness is, is um, bad. It's my quietness in how I respond to my husband, that I should be meek and I should be calm and in control of my feelings. And, um, and that's precious in the, in the sight of God. You must work on the inside, tackiness and and no self-control or being sloppy on your appearance, um, that's also not good. So it's like you have to find a balance um, with your out, outward appearance, and you cover yourself. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. If you've tried to, like, shop for your children. That's hard. Prom dresses wore me out. So, yeah, prom, yeah, I mean, everything was so much cleavage and booty everywhere, you know? And it's just like, oh, my goodness. So we have actually... We're going in the direction of Jesus coming back because, I mean, now nowadays you not much covers much. And us women, our holy women, um, should cover ourselves because our bodies are our husbands. Um, but um, men don't marry a model. That's my, that is, was his suggestion. You know, you see all these models on the magazine of what your wife should look like or what beauty looks like. And that is totally, for one, um, photoshopped because nobody's skin yeah. is perfect and then everybody starts thinking that's normal that's what you're to look like so then you get into all these uh, eating disorders and i mean there's just so much we focus so much on the out- outward appearance but sarah is the example in here um and you know we're abraham's children by faith because remember he said that he was going to make abraham's uh, descendants as as many as the stars or whatever well, we are Sarah's children as well. And so it says that we are Sarah's children when we model her. And she called her husband Lord and Master. Of course, we wouldn't do that today because that's, <laughs> you know, it's a different generation. Um, but 
we don't want to call him anything else either. And I'm guilty of that, you know, of just him just calling him a name or I've called him a jerk or whatever. And so I need to. I'll just call mine by his first name. Yeah. (laughs) Vernon. Oh my gosh. When he's in trouble, that's what you do. Um, and then, and then it also flips it for the husbands, um, of an unsaved wife, if you're a, if you're a male listening to this, that you have to submit also. And we're different. Like we have, um, it says, you know, not the word to have authority over a man, and he's not sub- to submit us under authority. Um, but he has to step out of his own little world. Like my husband is in his own little world a lot, and we have to cross paths. Like I have to step into his world sometimes and see what he is interested in, and vice versa. He needs to step into mine. And um, there's needs of, a, of the wife that you have to care for your wife and consideration and understanding that she's sensitive and he has to be sensitive to the needs of a woman. The feelings were more feely than they are, um, intimate in every way, that's sexual, physical, emotionally. Uh, we have all these needs. Um, he needs to be thoughtful and respectful and to protect us because we are the weaker vessel. He's weak is what MacArthur said. He, he was like, we're weaker the man is weak, and we're just weaker. That's what how he was getting through that. But um, naturally, physically, we're weaker than a man. We can't pick up as much as a man. I mean, you might be able to because you work out and do CrossFit. But, like, for me, I have to holler for David to open a jar of pickles or, or yeah. jelly or something like that because I can't. Um, and then companionship to just be um, at the very end of, of this verse in chapter, th- in chapter 3. It talks about that we're to be co- companions, best friends in this life. You know, he doesn't rule over us, that we're, we're equal in that part. But you, it, it, the submission, I think, is the biggest misunderstanding of anything in the Bible. And so um, that is by our conduct. And so for me, I look at my life and I look at how I carry myself. And um, I do feel like I, I don't, I don't want to say belittle because I don't belittle him, but I tend to use my words instead of let the word get his salvation. And so um, those are just, you know, I would recommend going and reading uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 because that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about the role of a wife or a husband in this one. It's talking about if you're a wife and you have an unsaved husband or a husband and have an unsaved wife, it's by your conduct and how you treat them. And... um, their salvation should be more important to you than your own feelings of being right or anything like that. So that really stepped on my toes today. Um, go ahead and share some stuff, and then I'll share this okay. uh, little bit that I have here at the very end. Well, we're supposed to be about our Father's business, mm-hmm. and that business is to be a part of saving some souls, seeking and saving the lost. And so you have to start thinking about what is your sphere of influence. And so that can be, even if they're believers, non-believers, um, family, coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's where you are. That's your yeah, ministry. Field. Whoever you come in contact right. with. And so um, that was a big thing for me is to kind of start thinking about, like, if my role is to help seek and save the lost, I've got to be, I've got to keep that in the forefront of my yeah. mind everywhere you go and it's not life isn't all about me that's right um and it's about the father's business that's and that's right. the biggest thing and, and i so, think we're deceived we have so much stuff in this world that keeps us unfocused 
And I think that's Peter in the very first of this. He tells us that we have to get out of the world mentally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, and emotionally. You have to detach yourself from the world in order to be about your father's business because you know, it's going to show up in, in like at your work, you know, there's going to be people who are going to make you mad and you're going to have to have the self-control. And like, if I don't flare up and punch them in the throat, you Mm -hmm. know, if I do that, I'm going to look just like the world, but I have to have self-control and I have to be an example. That is what we don't, we just, we react in the flesh all the time. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a preacher and he said, so if Jesus came to you today and he said, um, I'm going to answer every prayer that you prayed last week. And he said, how many more people would be in heaven because of your mm-hmm. prayers? And I was like, oh, That is a toe-stopper, yep. Yeah. Because that is the truth. And so I wrote down some why, why we should pray for unbelievers. And so um, the first one is Jesus modeled it. Luke 23, 24 said, Father, um, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, it's a pure expression of love. Is there someone that, you know, you've had to maybe distance yourself from because of maybe like things that are going on in your life, but you've been able to keep praying for them and you've seen them come back, Mm -hmm. um, to the Lord. And my example is my brother. Yeah. And so he was in, um, a life of addiction for many, many years and, um, yep there was a point where I had tried so many different things to help him out and to be there for him. And then, you know, when you're uh, with an addict and you make contact, then that's their first thing to say, I need this. Can you give me this? And um, so it was just really hard. And so one of the things that I did to make sure I was praying for him and for his um, salvation was I would put it on my calendar every day. And so for all those years, I would pray for him during my lunchtime. Because you forget. You, you forget. forget. You have to set timers. You have mm-hmm. to, you know, make yourself. And eventually you don't. You become an intercessor prayer, and it just yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I shared this. The Apostle Paul entered heaven to the cheers of those he martyred. Yeah. That blew my mind. That's how the gospel works. So everyone he martyred, mm-hmm. and he murdered, and he killed for, for being a Christ follower, they were cheering him on mm-hmm. when he came through heaven. And so that is grace and mercy, and it is beautiful. I just was like, wow, that is crazy. So that's just how heaven works. um, So so many, many years later, uh, my brother is living out as, you know, a sober life. And Mm -hmm. so it's just nice to be able to see... Um, that fruit, reward fruit that of your fruit. of your exactly. yeah a lot of people will say well can you pray for my husband or can you pray for my son or whatever and and I believe that people who reach out to me they they are desperate and they are they are doing but my question to them is do you pray every day mm-hmm. do you how faithful are you in your prayer like? yeah. yeah like um and I know and I pray for them because you know just like what you uh the story I know that you wanted to share about healing their daughter. Um, sometimes your prayers are answered because of the other faithful people that are around you, not because of your prayers. Yeah. Because God isn't hearing your prayer because you're yeah. out living however you want to. And I believe that when you walk in the spirit, then your prayers are answered. And when you're just kind of living like the world, he doesn't answer. He he hears you, but he why, why answer your prayer when you're just living how you want to? He's not going to give you stuff for just living like the world. He's going to reward his children who are And that's walking. the key word, his children. His children. His like children who are walking mm-hmm. in the spirit and doing keeping his commandment. He doesn't he doesn't owe us anything. 
So anything that he gives us is a blessing. It is not something that you are entitled to because you're a Christian. I mean, if you're not going to put the work in, he's not going to reward you by answering your prayers. And so we have to remember that as well. Um, Number three, as we pray for others, God works in us. It may be difficult and frustrating to pray for people that are mean to you that mm-hmm. you don't necessarily oh, unlikely yes. candidates is another mm-hmm. is a um, term that I heard when I was listening to sermons unlikely candidate yeah like someone that you just look at and maybe you've had run-ins with and you just know there's no, there is no way mm-hmm. that they would come to salvation yeah um yeah and so but you're still supposed to pray for them. pray for your enemies and so I've been praying you're... for my enemies all week yeah. and it's very humbling and mm-hmm. it changes you it changes your heart and it and there's no bitterness that can live there like people can come against you or do things or you know try to destroy you but when you pray for them and you really are praying for their heart and their salvation it takes that bitterness and that anger away mm-hmm. and you and you love like Jesus you know That's so good. it is um and dur- during that, and while you're praying for those people and you're going through that process, God's making you stronger. That's right. It's making your faithfulness stronger. That's right. And you have people watching. And that's like, you know, tonight when Brittany, I came in and Brittany gave me a little compliment about being proud of how I didn't, like, retaliate in the flesh. Um, that means a lot. That mm-hmm. means that the Lord... That's not who you are. Right, right. Because, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd have throat punched a couple years ago, you know, or came at And so, like, it took restraint to not follow through in the flesh. Um, but he really, I didn't have that desire to this time. It was just, I just prayed because I didn't want to pray at first. And then I was like, okay, well, he says pray for my enemies. And so when I started, like every day I've prayed for Mm -hmm. people who don't like me and who have came against me. And, you know, that's just, there's peace in that. There's just peace in it. And God's taking care of it. That's right. That's right. Um, number four, because God transform can transform our attitudes. Yeah, and so oh. that's just exactly yep. what you were saying. Yep. So you're not feeling like praying for for your enemy, and yeah. so He is taking that bitterness out. Yeah, out. and it's like Jesus is praying for, like He was praying for everybody because they didn't understand the world is deceived and people are deceived and they don't understand. It's a, the word the word of God is a mystery, and so when they don't understand, they think they're right, and so that's why it's important to pray for people who are not believers because they are deceived by the mm-hmm. Satan like we were. And God doesn't tell us to only pray for people we love. Mm-hmm. And so Matthew five forty four says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yep, that's good. And then five, because God is still in the salvation mm-hmm. business. He doesn't desire anyone to perish. He wants every single person to come to his son and have mm-hmm. salvation. He knows who will and who won't, but he his desire is to have everyone with him. And uh, I heard one time somebody said, why does a good, like Aaron Rodgers, a football player, he said, um, I will never serve a God who sends people to hell. And someone said to him, he doesn't send anybody to hell. He honors their choice. Mm-hmm. He gives them a way out through Jesus Christ and they choose to read and that and choosing to reject Jesus is the unforgivable sin. That is the only unforgivable sin. Mm -hmm. So you can be delivered from anything. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. Um, second Corinthians six, one through two, as God's coworkers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now um, is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
It's good. It's, yeah, today is the day of today. salvation because only the Holy Spirit can draw you. And so, like, tomorrow, you, you know, he has to draw you. So, like, you can't get saved when you want to. Mm-hmm. You can only be saved when he draws you. Um, it's funny how you're hitting these verses that my pastor has just been teaching on because um, he just he just had a sermon. Is there anything else you've got? And then I'll end with just that praying for unbelievers. It changes their eternal salvation and it changes our rewards in heaven. That's right. That's right. Um, and sometimes it's just you know people's prayers don't get answered for forty years, but. If, if they're, if, if, you know, I've heard women or moms that say after 40 years, I've been praying for my son for 40 years. Well, that's 40 years of reward for mm-hmm. her. And then finally, uh, her fruit is her son who she's prayed for for so long. So don't ever give up on your kid. I don't care if they're married. I don't care if they're married to someone, uh, same sex or they're an addict or, or whatever. You never give up. The Lord is always there to deliver people out of their bondage. And then I have some steps on, um, how, how we should pray for unbelievers. So pray for you first. Um, pray that God would help you live out an authentic Christian mm-hmm. life. So we've already talked about that. Um, pray for perseverance and God to strengthen your faith. Um, pray for them. Pray that God would open up their eyes, uh, soften their hearts, for them to be receptive to God's word mm-hmm. um, and grace. And pray that they would repent of their sins and clearly expect the Lord to deliver. That's exactly right. You have to expect. I think when he says, um, when you pray, pray like you've already received it. So like a lot of people, are, I, I mean, I laugh at people when they're like, I will never become a Christian. I just laugh at you because you don't know what the Lord has planned for you. And so mm-hmm. it's very arrogant to, to say what you will or won't do. But um, my pastor this past Sunday was talking about how, we have to prepare the fields. And I've heard this so many times in church, how we are to prepare um, the field before we plant the seed. And so we have, you know, we have to dig up the dirt and we have to prepare the ground before um, the seed is planted, before it's watered, before it, it can grow, before it can be harvested. And so the very first thing you have to pray intentionally for that person to be set apart, to be sanctified. Um, I did a TikTok on this and I'm telling you there were, as of right now, there's 68,000 views um, because people are truly concerned about their loved ones mm-hmm. and their salvation. And so, you know, you have that intentional thing to, to say, Lord, you know, and this is before you even start witnessing, because before I'd walk up and be like, let me tell you about my Jesus or whatever. And so if you don't pray ahead of time, their heart isn't pr- prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Lord, we all had a stony heart and the Lord took our stony heart out and he replaced it with a soft heart. He softens your heart so you can have ears to hear the word that he's got before you. Another way um, is to pray for your relationship. Ask God to strengthen that relationship and increase the trust between mm-hmm. the two, so yep. they can receive that yep. word. And that's what and if you're praying about. for somebody, then you you have a pretty good relationship with them, um, you know. And but but it's like it's like you know tending your field. You have to prepare that field before, and so like you know it might be. But you know you can't just go in and start talking to somebody about Jesus if you've not prayed for it mm-hmm. so it's hard mm-hmm. they won't accept it mm-hmm. it will fall it, you know it won't be um and and i didn't realize that like you have to, there has to be prayer involved and then commit to praying for those people that just pop in your mind mm-hmm. you don't know why they're there yeah so just start praying for those people that pop in your mind um reach out to them and try to connect with them and and people sometimes don't want to invite people to church but mm-hmm. That's what we need to That's be how doing. We have to do it. Um, yep. Even if they don't show up and you ask a hundred times. That's right. You um, can't give up. 
and then take a risk and um, trust God that he's going to um, come through and you're going to see results of your prayers. Yeah, that's right. It's all about praying about everything. That is the answer to everything. If you want something to happen. Prayer and obedience. And, yeah, but I mean, if you're praying about it, yeah. you're yeah. you're pretty much, you know, um, all in, especially if you're going to spend the time. Um, but, you know, when, like, before anything, they used to bless people. Like, they would pray, like, when somebody would get married, they would, play, they would pray for the blessing on them. So you want the Lord to bless them because um, the, um, the goodness of God is what leads to repentance. It's not like, repent of your sins and all that stuff. That's not what it is. It's the goodness of God, what He does for them in their mm-hmm. life. And so you want the Lord to bless them in their life so they can see the goodness of God. And that's what softens their hearts. Um, you, like you said, you want the Lord to convict them of their sin, to, to show them that the life that they're living is not um, what He wants us to live, you know, mm-hmm. in obedience. Um, and then to illuminate the truth of, the, of His Word. Um, and that we need more workers because the Bible says that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so pray that the Lord will send revival. I pray for the Lord to send revival every single night to pour his spirit out on our community and on that he will raise um, men and women up and to, to be able to go out into the harvest. And then you just have to pray that the Lord will provi- provide an opportunity. You want the timing to be correct. You just don't want to walk in and be like, who wants to know about Jesus? You know, mm-hmm. there has to be prayer. There's an order um, if you really want it to be successful. And, um, you know, that is what the des- our desire ought to be is that we reach the people around us, not where we're going to go on vacation. Those are added things that we enjoy, but we're here for soul winning and, mm-hmm. and you have to get your mind in that, 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 that our whole purpose here is to know Jesus and to let him be known by others around us. And so, um, I pray that this helps everybody as far as like, cause I know all of us have tons of people around us that are unbelievers and you're in your workplace for a reason. You're, you're, um, you have your friend in your little circle group for a reason and it is not to be silent and to prove their life of sin and it has to be done in love with trust you can't just walk up and call somebody sin out um you know there has to be a lot of prayer and time and i that's what i think the lord he loves to be faithful to you because it's your fruit when you pray for somebody and you are um and if you truly love this person you're praying for their salvation you want them to go to heaven you don't want them to perish mm-hmm. and um so anything else you got Nope, nope. That's it. So just get in the word and start praying uh, for your people and the Lord will, he is so faithful. So don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your husband. Um, be quiet. Don't <laughs> say a word and let the word um, soften your husband's heart or your wife's heart. So we'll be back next week. Y'all have a good week. Mm-hmm.